<laughs> Video. Uh, Simon, welcome people back. Folks, you better welcome back to another episode of Maybe Next Time. I am your host, William Lewis, my co-host, Simon. McCormack. That's Nation. That Nets dogma lives loudly within <laughs> you. Loudly within you. We are back as we are each and every unrelenting week to talk all things Nets Nation. Simon, other than that dogma held deep within, how are you doing this week? Good. I'm letting my faith guide me. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah. That's um, not my faith, Nets Nation. No, that's definitely not my faith either. Uh, <laughs> my faith is in voting. That's my religion. <laughs> yep, especially in a state that has such a meaningful impact on the Electoral College <laughs> results. Vote like your life depends on it. <laughs> uh, well, we're back, obviously, uh, to talk Nets and only Nets, um, but... Yeah, now we'll sprinkle in a little bit of highly contentious religious and political banter here at the top just to hopefully alienate the few people who bother coming back week after week. Right at the top. Right. Let's just, if you didn't want to hear about abortion during a Nets podcast, you've come to the wrong place. <laughs> William and I will not shut up and dribble. <laughs> Oh, God. Anyway, uh, we have, as we always have, Simon, I like to think, an exciting episode in store for people. Oh, yeah. Um, as much as basketball is not being played, moves are being made. Uh, it is the off season. It is the time of year to dream and dream big. We're talking third stars. We're talking Mike D'Antoni assistant coaches. We're talking... Free agents and other things. I'm sure we're going to talk about. Yes. Um, so we have a busy show, and then, as Simon intimated right at the top, it wouldn't be an MNT podcast if we didn't get into a bizarre but politically vaguely germane theme at the <laughs> end, which this week will be dogma. <laughs> we are going to take a deep theological dive into the tenets of Nets' faith. Uh, and it's really not to be missed. Yes, that's I, could, I mean, I, I, that is one of my, my dogmatic principles anyway, Simon, is that, you know, because I don't know that it's going to be interesting at the end, but I have faith that it will be. Right, sure, exactly. Um, but before we get to our dogma theme... Let's talk Alex Schiffer's Who Says No article. You you game? I am totally game. I got nothing else to talk. <laughs> All right. So we have, as, as listeners will know, devoted at least three podcasts exclusively to delving in to Karis LeVert, Jarrett Allen, and Joe Harris trade possibilities. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen to those yet, definitely go back, check them out. Um, there's some pretty wild stuff in there, Simon. I think you'd agree. Um, mm -hmm. But Alex Schiffer in a recent article discussed various trade proposals that people tweeted at him. Friend of the show, Alex Schiffer, by the way. He's been yeah. on the show. Um, might come back again. Yeah. I wonder what, what his take is on the um, Supreme Court. Justice. <laughs> we'll, we'll have Eric's. to remember to ask him. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we're going to talk about some of the proposals that people sent in to him, see if there are any that are of interest to us and, and whether, oh, you know, we hope any of these actually transpire. I'm going to start with one, Simon, that kind of stood out to me, a little bit intriguing. See what you think about it. It would be Spencer Dinwiddie. And Torian Prince, a guy I always like to see involved in trade rumors, <laughs> uh, the two of whom combined make approximately $24 million. For savvy vet LaMarcus Aldridge, 
also clocking mm-hmm. in at about 24 million. Aldridge averaged 18.9 points and 7.4 rebounds per game on 49.3 shooting before a rotator cuff injury forced him to have surgery. He also shot 38.9% from three, Simon. That's that's what I call a stretch four. Yes. Do you know what – do you happen to know on what kind of volume that was on the, those three three-point – yeah, so what's the antonym of high, Simon? <laughs> low. How low can you go? The guy was the guy took three three average three a game. Okay. Three three pointers a game. So we're not talking, you know, uh Joe Harris level volume here. Right, right. But still thirty eight point nine on three shots a game, respectable, respectable yeah, clip. You, you gotta guard that. And uh, you know, I'm sure were he to play on the nets and, and that that were to be something that were emphasized for him, he could get up more more than that. And yeah, you got wiggle room with that. He drops four or five points on that, it's still respectable for a big man. Right. Who says no, Simon? Uh, I, w- I would be interested in that. My only fear, William, is that the Nets the Nets would need to play him at the four, I feel like, because uh-huh. of um, the, the politics around uh, um, uh, DeAndre Jordan needing to get minutes and – You'd want to get Jared out there on the court, um, I think. Um, so you'd want to still maintain minutes at the five. So he would need to be the four. Um, if you can make that work, uh, I think that's great. We definitely could use a four. And if he's in your starting lineup and that means KD gets to move to the three and then, you know, you have, you know, Karis at the two or Joe Harris at the two. That that's a good and Kyrie at the one. That's a that's a great starting lineup. I just fear my only fear is that it becomes kind of like what the Sixers faced this year, where you have where you had Harrington at or oh sorry Horford, who's kind of a four, but it sort of seemed like clear right by the the end of this year, like he's pretty much a five. Um, so I am cautiously into that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm into it in the abstract, though. I will say one thing that has been a real focus of ours when discussing potential Nets trades is, um, defense, right? And I've got to say, I've heard many positive things about LaMarcus Aldridge. I actually think he's a bit underrated because he's been on the sleepy spurs and, um, yeah, they just don't get, they don't, he's not a, a flashy player down there, uh, yeah. but he's really good offensively. One thing I can't ever recall hearing about though, is how he is like him making an impact defensively. I don't know if he's good, if he's bad, if he's just sort of middle of the road, Yeah, but he's certainly for a big, uh, not someone that I've heard t- talked about as an impactful big defender. Yes, that's a good point, especially if we do what I was suggesting, which is play him at the four. He's quite, he's an older guy, um, and um, I would wonder if he's able to keep up with with your your faster uh, fours out there. Sure, especially but, on the perimeter. All right, uh, let's do a let's do another one. I think okay. I think we're both uh, you know. Uh, with reservations into that one. Yes. I mean, you know, it's huge. It would be huge to get off Prince. It would obviously be a blow to lose Dinwiddie as one of the premier, if not the best backup point guard in the NBA. Right. Um, But especially with a point guard who's as injury prone as Kyrie Irving, but uh, still all all in all, I think I would, I, I would, I'd be, Game to see that trade happen. Uh, next trade, Dinwiddie, just Dinwiddie by himself, either for Detroit's seventh or the Suns' tenth pick in this year's draft. The idea would be move off of a very good player in Dinwiddie um, in order to save a little money because the seventh and tenth pick would earn, I'm not exactly sure, but it'd be under $10 million each. Uh-huh. Um, so how would you... 
feel about Dinwiddie for a high, a lottery first round pick? And do you think either of those teams would be down? I don't. I don't really. Again, in the abstract, if you're talking about a, just a, a, a team, you, know, you say like Team X, right? Would a Team X, without knowing who they are, what their situation is, want to trade Spencer Dinwiddie for a number seven or number 10 pick even in a week draft? I would say sure. But I think when you reveal that that team is the Nets, who are trying to win a championship in the next two years— um, I think probably either Spencer Dinwiddie is more useful to you in the next two years than a seventh or 10 pick in a week draft. And if you don't want Spencer Dinwiddie, you could probably trade him for something that is more useful in the next two years than a, um, than a, a lottery pick like that. In addition, I wonder whether either of those teams really want a Spencer Dinwiddie. Like those are both teams who I think are still trying to shoot high, right? They're, they're trying to um, shoot the moon rather than just get like a solid, like they already have Rubio in, in Phoenix, for example, like I, I you know, Spencer is, and, and um, what's his name? So like, uh, or, um, who's their big star? Devin Booker. That plays the two Devin Booker at the two. So he'd probably be a backup point guard. I, I don't know that you're necessarily jonesing for a backup point guard and, and giving up your pick for that. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm iffy on that. Yeah, I mean, I could see Detroit more wanting to do it just to, to raise their floor a tiny bit because they are arguably the worst team going into next season. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're vying with the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think, for worst team in the league next year. So maybe they would, but you'd think a team like Detroit would really want as many lottery picks as they could possibly have. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't see that one happening, and I don't see it being terribly beneficial other than from the abstract Nets need to save money, which we have both come, you know, we're not, it's not hurting us if they have to pay a luxury tax. So Right. Wouldn't be super thrilled about that one. Um, All right. Last one that stood out to me, Simon, and if there's others that I didn't mention that you want to talk about, we can. But last one that stood out to me was Levert and Prince. There goes Prince again. (laughs) For Tobias Harris. Uh, Where are you at with that? Now, there have been, uh, if you, if any listener who wants to know, how we've felt about Tobias Harris in the past, go back to last season and hear us rap, uh, rhapsodically about, about him wax rhapsodically about him. Um, he figured in our imagination as the answer to literally all of this team's problems (laughs) at a certain point, uh, basically him and Julius Randall were the two and maybe still Aaron Gordon, who still occupies that to this day (laughs) were the, the figures of extreme idolization. Yeah. Um, in the biblical sense of that, he was our golden calf. Yes. Um, and I think he has fallen a tiny bit in our estimation, but Simon, I want to hear where you're at with that trade. Again, we would be getting off Torian Prince. That's good. That is good. You're laundering that bad contract in, in, in this trade. Um, I think that, and this is coming from somebody who was, encouraging the Nets to sign him to a max contract. But I think Tobias Harris is is a useful player, to be sure. I, I, I think he's definitely a starter caliber player. He could, when he was with, his, with the Clippers, was like a borderline all-star, or at least, you know, mm-hmm. close to that. Um, but... On a max contract after last year's performance where he just didn't shoot enough threes, it seemed like, and hasn't really shown, you know, particularly great defense, is more of a scorer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
it's it's tough to then also give up Levert, who again it's he's a polarizing guy. We've talked about that, but you at least hope in Nets land you you hope that you could get a player who's like good if you if, or you you hope that you get a player that's like desirable on a on a contract that's fine if you trade Levert. Whereas in this scenario, you're giving up a Karis Levert the golden child of the Nets, you are giving up Torian Prince, but you're then getting back a player on a quite bad contract, I think even you and I would admit. Like, he still has four more years of max money coming his way. Um, so he'll be around um, potentially twice as long as uh, Kyrie and KD Um and could, you know, hinder a, uh, a rebuild, say, um, with that max money. I'm just, I'm wary of that. What do you think? Um, I'm into it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think I don't have the numbers side by side. Uh, but I'd say that one thing that Tobias Harris has that Karis LeVert doesn't have is uh, durability. The guy very, very rarely misses a game. And, yeah, the peak Tobias might not be this sort of uh, scoring force that Karis LeVert is, but having him reliably counting on him to play, you know, full seasons without injury is kind of a, a, a nice comforting thought. Also, he's a four, which is a position of need uh, for the Nets, whereas we have a million guards, basically. Yes, that that is true. What is? Do you have any trepidation about the the contract in any way? Um, you know, do I have trepidation about a contract that is widely regarded as top five worst in the league? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, it's it's not ideal, certainly. Um, But, you know, Torian Prince's contract goes bye-bye. Right. So, yeah, no, I mean, it's not one that I don't think it's going to happen. I see very, very little chance of it happening. Um, But I wouldn't be heartbroken were it to happen. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, and so, on a similar note, let's turn to Hollinger's 43 free agents articles. Yes. So, this was another athletic article that came out. John Hollinger wrote about the 43 players who are either going to have um, team options or player options coming up. And whether or not he thought that the, they would take the player option or the team option or those would be declined. And so what we did was we went through these 43 players who could potentially be free agents in this market, and we just picked out a few, each of us, that we thought maybe could fit with the Nets. Um, Before we get into ones, I don't know who you picked, Simon. You obviously don't know who I picked. But before we we get into, yeah, we did. Um, It's it's like uh, like a confessional, Simon. It's uh, (laughs) (laughs) just between you, your priest, and the Lord. Yes, that's right. That's how I like to communicate. Yeah, I I I often think of our audience as a sort of uh, a priest-like figure. You know, this is our our confessional. Yes, I hope you'll absolve us for our many many sins. (laughs) Yeah, if we do like twenty-three Ava Marias, maybe is that something you can do? (laughs) Hail Marys. (laughs) Sure, Hail Marys. Thought that was a football play. No, no. Uh, uh, yeah, no. But isn't it? Uh, isn't that what you do? Honestly, am I not? Am I not right about that? Hail Marys. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm they not, say like I, I've never been a a practicing Catholic. I have to admit, <laughs> but I've seen enough movies that I should know what it is. You know, I'm a I'm a, a person of the world. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, this person of the world would like to bring up the first bullet point they have written here, Simon. Um, he doesn't think, and I thought this was interesting. So the one player on the Nets he talks about is Garrett Temple. He mm-hmm. doesn't think that the Nets will exercise their team option of $5 million on Garrett Temple. How do you feel about that? Do you think the Nets should keep Garrett around for that for that price tag or not? Like we, uh, There are many games last season where we thought he was arguably the best guy on the floor. Yeah. Um, $5 million isn't too much money. Yeah, yeah. But what do you think? I am a little bit torn. I would say I'm 70-30. I would say 70% of me says don't pick it up. 30% of me says we should. We're probably not going to do much better with that roster spot. Um, I think he might be better than your – I think there's somewhat of a chance that he would be better um, in terms of the things he brings – on the court than a minimum player. Um, but I kind of, I don't really know. I mean, he's pretty old. He's definitely not gonna like, I hope you hope is not really going to be a big difference maker mm-hmm. out there. I think that his biggest thing that he would bring is he is a not toxic person. Yeah. Um, he and he's friends to- with those guys. He's friends with Kyrie and KD and, DeAndre and he was brought in right when they were brought in, right? Right. Yeah, I think the same the same day. Um like I think he was signed the first day of free agency. Um Yeah, I would pay I'd pay five million dollars for a stabilizer in the locker room if that is yeah, what he could I, be. That's that's fair. I I, I, I agree. I, I guess I have I, I guess I have a big head and think that maybe there are like other people on the on out there who Maybe like Jamal Crawford could be that guy, right? For or, for or, the minimum, and right at the minimum, right? That, that we could we could get a little more bang for the buck, but but you know the similar to what you said about Tobias Harris joining, like I would say, similarly, I I wouldn't I'm not going to be too worked up either way. All right, so do you want to tell us who your uh, name one of the guys that stood out to you on the list? Okay, William, I'll give you my most excited for person uh, first. Um, I think I know who it is. Really? Well, can I guess? Yeah, sure. Jeremy Grant? Oh, no, I didn't actually include him because I I just think he's too too rich. I don't know a way that we would get him. I mean, I've talked about maybe the the double sign-in trade of Joe Harris and him. Right. We talked about that last week. Um, but I think in the conversation of like free agency. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. I've derailed derailed you. I've derailed. That's okay. Um, so, but certainly he is more exciting than any of the people I have on my list. Um, Simi Ojale. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. You better get your taste is wet. How because much, that guy. How much Simi Ojale basketball have you watched in your life? I've never seen him play. <laughs> never seen him play. Uh, and I don't know that even Celtics fans have seen much of him. I think he's averaging not many minutes. No. And the few minutes he did get would seemed to only cause pain and anger among their fans. <laughs> mostly Bill Simmons. but Really? Yes. Oh, he's he's such an idiot. Um, well, here's why I like him. Okay, and always have. Uh, he. <laughs> he is... Sometimes faith is just based on nothing at all. <laughs> he is a tasty six foot six, two hundred and forty pounds. Okay, that is girth. And wing height <laughs> that uh, that frankly I am a, a thirstin for it. I am a thirstin for it. So your attraction to him on this team is based solely on him being stocky. Uh, uh, yes, he is a big, girthy, and I heard his 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 defense described as physical. 
which I like. <laughs> I really like. Uh, yeah. Now, what, what kind of contract are you willing to throw at a Simi? Oh, uh, I'm in a minimum. This he doesn't even think Hollinger doesn't even think he's going to get picked up on on his minimum contract. So I'm not saying again. Like yes, it would I rather have Jeremy Grant or Simi Ojale? Jeremy Grant, but but. I'm just thinking, you know, the Nets are the Nets are looking at minimum contracts. Um, I also think that he's on a Celtics team that has a a um, a, a, a uh, what what is the word a surplus of players like him who are better than him. Mm-hmm. Like they have a lot of wing, um, good at defense, beefy guys, um, but the Nets have like none of that. So I think that they could use a power forward who shoots. Um, he shot 37% uh, or 38% from, from three. Uh, only played 15 minutes and, you know, shot it, shot two three-pointers a game, basically, 1.8. Mm. Um, but I, I just think his uh, a big, physical, tough, 240-pound guy, it was a is a is someone that the Nets could use far more than than the than the Celtics. Hmm. Yeah, that Simon is an interesting take for sure. <laughs> and he's only twenty five. Great. No, I'm sold. You sold me on him. Uh, can I give you my <laughs> first guy? Yeah, yeah. Jonte Porter. Oh, interesting. Brother of Michael Porter Jr. He is 20 years old. He's six foot eleven, Simon. Mm-hmm. Uh, has not played professionally because he he went undrafted in 2019. He signed with the Grizzlies um, and has had multiple leg injuries. Serious like injuries. Serious like injuries. Torn ACLs, I think maybe twice. Oh, minimum twice, yeah. So seems like a hopeless lost case, right? Yeah, you you yes. But so <laughs> but so did his brother, who dropped from the sure thing number one to the thirteenth pick and then has been a revelation in the bubble, right? This family obviously is uh has lots of talent, has all the the sort of natural gifts you'd want in a basketball player, but they have this this injury injury bug. Um, I'm thinking with the Nets' state-of-the-art medical staff, Simon, that you and I revere as we do um, the the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, um, that they could help fix whatever's wrong with this guy we would get a flyer at on you know minimum contract on a guy who's only 20 years old and already being given up on just because of a few measly acl tears Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. there would be no expectation that he would have to be great this season (laughs) you know (laughs) but perhaps we use him to develop you know develop him a bit and then you know next year come next year's playoff bubble he comes off the bench because everyone's sick with COVID or something, and then we get to see him fully blossom like Michael Porter Jr. Okay. All right. Okay. Anyone else on the list jump off? Uh, yeah, I've got two more. What do you, do you? How many do you have? I have three, but I'm going to list them all and just have you pick which one you think is most interesting. Okay. So I, my two more... I'll just go through them quickly. One is old friend Hamadou Diallo. Oh, God. I can't imagine they're going to let him go, though. Uh, well, can you imagine letting go a player who shoots 24% from the field? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Simon, you know how much I want Eric Bledsoe, who is only <laughs> a notch above that. <laughs> um, it's so funny. Just my very quick thing about Hamadou. We we wanted him in the in the draft. He's good at defense. He's very athletic. Um, he's got a high motor. Um, but it's funny because we hear so much about like young players who like really develop. The Nets are all about that. And you know, in the in the playoffs this year, there were you know tons of you know forgotten diamond in the rough players who like developed and were way better than expected. And then you're like. 
huh, I wonder where Hamadou Diallo, the, the guy who had a huge knock on him for not being able to shoot, is doing. Yeah, he's, he still can't shoot. Uh, two years later, he's he's not good at shooting. Um, there's like a lot of players like that, too, that you're just like, yeah, same same problems. Um, and then my third one I love is, that, by the way. I'd love it if we could get him. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think we could use his, his D. Yeah. Um, James Enos the third. Uh, <laughs> can't, I can't go with you there. <laughs> maybe he's, it sounds like he's kind of, uh, maybe not good enough for the mighty Orlando magic, but he's a wingy dingy and he shoots a career 35% from three, uh, decent size, decent defense. Um, you know, a tasty wingu. Okay. My three, Simon, uh, I'm yeah. not too excited on any of them. Uh, Wes Matthews, Austin Rivers, Willie Cauley-Stein. Oh. Now, I can't okay. imagine we'd be able to get Wes Matthews for a minimum. I can't. Um, he's still too good of a three-point shooter, I think, for that. Mm. Um, Austin Rivers, we really don't need another backup. Why did you pick him? Uh, just because those were like the three best players, I feel okay. like, that I saw on the list. And then Willie Cauley-Stein, again, we don't need another backup center. Unless yeah. we get rid of Jared Allen. But if we did get rid of Jared Allen, I think Willie Cauley-Stein might be a great guy to bring in. Sure. I agree. All right. Simon, you've heard the rumors. I've heard the rumors. We've heard the rumors. Now let's tell our priest, a.k.a. our listeners, about the rumors. Mike D'Antoni is going to be the assistant coach of the Brooklyn <laughs> Nets. Yeah. Um, all right. So the people you're talking to, what are they saying? Because, <laughs> you know, we are hosts of a sub podcast called Assistant Coach Corner. Yes. Where we talk all things Tiago Splitter. Um, yeah. And right. you, you and I know the world of assistant coaching better than most. Yeah. Why, we know what it takes to grind. Why would legendary head coach Mike D'Antoni mm -hmm. rumored to be considered in almost every high profile coaching job out there right now elect not to take one of those high profile head coaching jobs and instead assume uh, assistant coaching job on the bench next to his former player and mm -hmm. first time head coach Steve Nash right and and not be lead assistant because we already have a lead assistant. Um, so at the very least, be the second um, in, in, in hierarchy. He'd be, he'd be like he'd be the video guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's. Uh, I hope he's his Final there. Cut Pro. Yeah, his Final Cut Pro skills are up to up to <laughs> snuff. If he if if, if he. If he snips the the vids right, maybe you can get a chance uh, heading up the uh, the G League team for a game or two. Sixty nine year old uh, uh, video boy, <laughs> <laughs> Mike. He's gonna he's gonna help rehab uh, Javante Porter. Let's get that highlight package together, Mike. <laughs> I need that on my desk yesterday, Mike. <laughs> you revolutionized uh, bat, uh, NBA offense? Get the clips together. <laughs> You're revolutionarily slow at getting those clips. <laughs> I need them by half, buddy. Get them, get them ready by halftime. Um, so I find, <laughs> as I suspect you do too, it pretty silly to think that he would take an assistant coaching job like that. I, I, I don't think it's crazy to think that he won't get any of the remaining, um, head coaching jobs. You know, I, I think if I had to guess, I think he'll probably get the Portland job, but he might not, or the, sorry, not the Portland job, the, um, the Pacers job. Oh, um, I hadn't but, even heard him connected to that one. Yeah. Um, I think very early on there was like rumors that he was going to be, but, but, um, you know, I could certainly see him not getting it, but I, I just don't see him reacting to that at age 69 again by saying, okay, I will be the second assistant to my former player who has never coached before. 
Um, and, uh, you know, just, just rolling with that. I mean, it'd be great. It'd be great to have his X's and O's knowledge on the old bench ski. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, and maybe, maybe he's ready to take a, a slightly smaller role, to, you know, less responsibility, less onus on him, less of the spotlight mm-hmm. on him. Maybe mm-hmm. he's so close with Steve Nash that he sees it as an opportunity to mentor this, this great human being that he he loves sure um yeah but i that said i can't see it happening yeah yeah i i I mean that would be amazing that would be great but yeah um okay so definitely by the next time we we record we will have more more to go into for assistant coach corner uh, we we uh, maybe next time promise just like our promise that if you write us a mailbag question we will respond to it uh, if there is any assistant coach buzz at all we promise <laughs> to discuss it yeah um, all right two more quick points before we get to our theme Simon should we trade our 19th pick to move off of Tori and Prince so William I think this topic has has underscored a couple of things to me that are unpleasant to think about one is that like this suggests we could be in a situation where we we basically more or less we traded a first round pick to get Dorian Prince. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then we got him and signed him to a two year extension. And then what this would, if we were to do this, if we were to dump this other pick, we would be giving up another first round pick just to be rid of him. Mm -hmm. Um, I understand the reasons for it. I understand our, our tax situation will be pretty dicey this year. If we resign, um, uh, Joe Harris, and um, even if we don't resign Joe Harris, we'll still be in the tax. It seems like, but it. I much prefer these these trades that you've been cooking up, and one that we just discussed, where you sort of launder Torian Prince's terrible contract through a another trade and sort of make it seem like, oh, we're just, you know, wheeling and dealing here, as opposed to a straight admission of guilt that you made a terrible um, decision to both trade for and then big, bigger um, mistake, signing to a two-year pretty lucrative extension. So is Torian Prince as bad of a mistake as signing Alan Crabb to a poison pill contract that Portland then signed and then going out and getting him? (laughs) You know, I think, I know this is a cop out, but I, I think we will, we will have to see how damaging it is. Right. Because ultimately while I, I do believe, I do believe that, that overall the, the, the crab thing was a worse contract, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely a worse contract. You got less for it. At least Prince is out there playing, you know, I don't know. It's just, you're just dealing with two years. Um, and he's not making crab money. Crab was making like 18 million a year. Um, but we'll see which contract actually hurts you more because the, the crab contract, basically, let's say you gave up, it cost you a pick, and depending on how you look at it, maybe like a pick and a half, right? If you're saying Torian Prince was maybe like a half of a pick, mm-hmm. um, and you were mostly paying to get off of Alan Crabb um, in that trade with Atlanta. That's not that bad, I guess. Um, I guess it would be nice if you didn't have to do that. Um but other than that, it didn't really cost you anything because, like, you know, that team wasn't going to compete for – the Crab teams were not going to compete for a championship. Um, depending on what happens with Torian Prince here, we could be eating shit. Like, who's to say it will just be one pick to get rid of to get rid of him if Josiah is like, I don't want to pay this luxury tax. If you want to sign Joe Harris, you need to get rid of Torian Prince. Like, there's a lot more sellers. There's a lot more teams that want to shed salary than can take on salary. Mm-hmm. So, 
I don't know. It could be could be ugly. Yeah, I mean, I still hold out some faint hope that moving him away from the four and as a backup three on this team, he'll be slightly better, but to be determined. Yeah. Final thing before our theme, a lot of talk about um, the jersey, the throwback jersey. Uh, So it's going to use the New Jersey Nets design. Um. Do you care? I really like those jerseys. I think they're my favorite Nets jerseys I've seen. Um, I, that could be a kiss of death. but Yeah, no, I think that's um, – I, I, I hate to say it, and I don't mean this in an insulting way, but, um, yeah, that is a, a condemnation. <laughs> you don't like them? No, I think – I mean, I think that the font is really cool, like the old Nets – Typeface is amazing mm. and looks really good, but that weird like bluish faded blue thing it was it's just like a really hideous color. I thought I, I love that blue. Yeah, that's it. I would just seem myself. In that I blue. know, I know you would. I know you do. It, it feels like um, yeah, like mall kiosk blue. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm ready to get my beeper. <laughs> <laughs> right. Also, ready to get some trading cards. Did you hear that their super sweet deal with Infor is finally up? Yeah, and I, I hear the Nets are aggressively trying to get top dollar for that patch. Yeah, I mean, I just know. look at what it did for Infor. <laughs> That's the name on everyone's lips now because of our patch. Who do you want to occupy that patch? Great question. What corporate sponsor are you hoping the Nets get? Thank you very much for that question. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Who do I think is a is a is a great company that does great things? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what what corporate the, values most align yes. with your values? What Bronner's? Oh, maybe Dr. Bronner's. Hillary suggests, which I I, I would I would be for Doc, Dr. Bronner's. You know the the soap. Oh, the soap okay. Lotion. Sure. They're they're a uh, they might be like a B corp or something like that. They have like a you know a social value based uh, corp. Um, I was sort of saying that sarcastically um, to to try to pick a, a I don't know like uh, yeah uh, I kind of want it to be Senior Frogs. Yeah okay okay. You just have a big old frog on there drunk with a you know lay around his neck or something like that. Sure. Yeah, I'm a puking frog uh, <laughs> patch on your on your jersey. Exactly. I think yeah, I this could have been you in four if you had uh, got into the bidding war. Uh, I I have a strong suspicion. Whatever I I have a strong suspicion. Beyond Meat is basically a shoe in for that. <laughs> it's a no bid. Yeah, it's, it's, a, a, no it's, bid, a, it's uh, a classic Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan say it's going to be. Beyond Meat, and it is Beyond Meat. All right, so we are going to get to our theme now. It's Dogma, Simon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your idea is that Dogma lives loudly within you, a theme in honor of Amy Comey Barrett. Yes. Uh, So we're going to look at Nets dogmas. With so much uncertainty, what are the things about the Nets that we think are absolutely transcendently true? Yes. What's your first Nets dogma, Simon? My my Nets dogma is that we will forever, forever be searching for a stretch four. Okay. <laughs> now, I know a lot of people, and myself included, are, ho- you know, maybe thinking, like, uh, Kevin Durant will be our four. I suspect that through one way or another, he will demand to basically not be a four. I don't think he's going to want to guard fours. I don't think he's going to want to deal with that, at least on one end of the court. Um, so I think that we will just be in perpetual thirst for for a stretch for, for until the end of time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as um, earlier when I mentioned Julius Randle and Aaron Gordon yeah. and Tobias Harris – those names are not 
are not uh, a fluke. They all play the same position. <laughs> They're all our dream of one day having a stretch four. I agree with you. We're never going to get one. One of my Nets tenants, uh, sorry, Nets dogmas, Simon. Jared Allen is definitely better than DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> Very good. That's a simple That's... one. Needs no explanation. I think any casual Nets fan will be aware of the of the uh, veracity of that claim. Yes. Um, my absolutely. My next one is um, that the Nets will forever be injury plagued. Oh every, no! <laughs> every year, like it's so funny. There's like a point at which every year in the off season, when I at least I don't want to speak for you, William, but I always find myself like, oh, how are we going to get minutes for this guy and that guy? And like, oh, it's going to be such a a dog fight at that whatever position. And then by like. Game five, it's like, oof, okay, we're on our third strings. Uh, <laughs> John and is running under. the show again. Okay, Right, exactly. When, are we, when can we move away from the Musa minutes? <laughs> uh, my other dogmas kind of suck, I have to admit. Um, <laughs> I, so I'll do them quickly. My first one, I, I will love Kenny Atkinson until the end of time. Okay, great. Uh, I hope he gets the Oklahoma City job, as I mentioned to you. His name is not coming up in a lot of these coaching search rumors. Yeah. I don't know why he's not in the, in the Kings one. Yeah, Kings one. I don't know why he's not in the Pelicans one. Um, uh, definitely OKC. I see that as a great opportunity for him, a perfect fit. Mm. Anyway, love Kenny Atkinson. My last one, um, Nets will never be the most popular team in New York. Oh yeah, I think I think I think, and I think that's okay. Yeah, but I yeah, think, I, agree. I think it is just something that, like you know, a net net income, Nets daily type needs needs to just accept. Like you know, Nick, this is a Nick's town, but doesn't mean that the Nets can't forge an amazing niche for themselves. Sure, I mean that's uh, what we're, we're. I think we're a part of that. You know, weird niche of of netstum that, that I, you know offers I, something i totally agree and and you and i as uh as a contrarian um i think uh you know we, we really thrive in in environments where we're not um you know we're not the goliaths right there. right send us you know your freaks your pariahs your outcasts <laughs> uh we have a team for you out here and it's uh, right. the brooklyn nets yeah absolutely don't be a nicks douchebag Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, my, my last one for this is Joe side will always, always have lots of money. So I, I, I think, I, I think we have to remember that when we're very worriedly thinking about like getting rid of Torian Prince, like those numbers that Hollinger brings up are quite um, alarming, like the, the the salary cap numbers, the amount of the luxury tax that we may have to pay could be in the forty five million dollar range. Like that's a lot of money. But um, Josiah has billions of dollars. He's made, I think, like a billion dollars. I could be wrong about this, but I, at least hundreds of millions of dollars since the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. Since people have been. You know, tens of millions of people worldwide uh, and millions in this country have been pushed into poverty. Joe Sai is making hundreds of millions more, at least. Yeah. I think that just as a general rule, fans should not give a shit about the luxury tax. Right. We should encourage them to do it. I mean, yeah, but, but yeah, certain owners, obviously, Tillman Fertitta had uh, among them. You got to kind of worry about it, I suppose. But yeah, Joe Sai, uh, this is like uh, a rounding error running, you know, owning this team yeah. for, for his empire. Um, a person with multiple billions of dollars, you know, a $50, a $50 luxury taxes. And you know what? I'm sure there's ways that that's like tax deductible. Right, right. <laughs> that's a charity. Right, exactly. The, the Torian Prince 
it was a bad extension, IRS, and I'm paying it. <laughs> All right, Simon, would you tell people where and why they should get in touch with us um, to tell us about their Nets dogmas? Yes. Um, first, the where's, send us emails to maybe next time at gmail.com. Send us messages at at maybe next time on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and the why? Um, because, really hammer this why, Simon. Yeah, because William and I, though we seem like well-adjusted, normal <laughs> people, are actually deeply, deeply insecure. Okay. <laughs> We barely get out of bed in the morning. There's almost nothing that doesn't immediately make us self-conscious and insecure. Um, and so when we don't get emails, that pushes us very close to the edge, okay? And I'm not going to say what kind of edge. I'm just going to say there's an edge that you push us towards when we don't get messages. And I know that's not your fault. But not it's entirely, just, not entirely. It's, it's not entirely your fault, <laughs> but you can do something to fix it instead of pushing us further towards that edge. Uh, great why. Great why. <laughs> Seriously, though, uh, hit us up with any questions, uh, off-season fantasies you may have, theme suggestions. Uh, you know, this is the time... To be a little more playful and imaginative with what the Nets are, what they could be, you know, what the future holds. As everyone can tell, I have I have become a Nets optimist um, since I made that resolution however many episodes ago. I think uh, Kyrie, KD are going to be the best duo, LeBron and AD. You suck! Um, you know, everything good is going to happen. Tell us, you know, so, uh, anyway, join in, join in the fun, join in the, uh, the optimism and, uh, let us know you're out there listening and, um, uh, what your dogmas are. Okay. Anyway, we are going to go ahead. Simon, do you have anything else you'd like to say? No. Okay. Then we're going to go ahead and uh, see ya. I was tired of my lady. Together too long, like a worn out recording of a favorite song. So while she lay there sleeping, I read the paper in bed, and in the personal columns, there was this letter I read. If you like Pina Colada.